Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now a bunch of news. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And if you've got any tips or news stories you want us to cover, feel free to email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com or hit us up on any social network. But let's jump in. There's a ton of news to talk about. I want to start with not the biggest one, but a fun Mm. one anyway. Amon Vellani, who plays Miss Marvel on the Miss Marvel TV show on Disney Plus, is going to be co-writing a comic book titled Miss Marvel The New Mutant. She's going to be co-writing that along with a Miss Marvel writer, uh, not comic book writer, but TV writer named Sabir Prezada. And it's going to have art by Carlos Gomez and Adam Gorham. Now, um, spoilers for what's currently going on in Marvel Comics, but Miss Marvel was killed off in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. We were a little split in terms of the events of that and how they did that. But they're bringing her back very quickly because the X-Men have the power of resurrection right now. So they're going to bring her back (laughs) in the comics. She's going to be still have an inhuman origin for her powers, but she's also going to be a mutant. She's going to get new costume, but not new powers ostensibly. So in the comic they're writing, and Amana Vellani talked about this in an article in EW and on Marvel.com, where she's still going to have stretchy powers in the comics while she has light-based powers on the TV show. So what do you think about this, Justin? What's your take? I mean, Aman Vellani is a, like, very public, diehard comic fan. So I think it's it's cool. I mean, I don't know the fact that um, she's partnered with a writer, I think is really cool. Like, the, the way to... Like to not just have it be like, good luck, good luck, actor. Let us know how this comic goes, I I think is a good choice. And I'm sure the enthusiasm is there. So whatever it is, is going to be interesting at the very least. Yeah, I agree. I think normally when I hear celebrities are writing comics, my alarm bells go up a little bit. Um, And the fact that both Iman Vellani and Sabir Prasada don't necessarily have comic book writing experience makes me a little apprehensive. I'm also apprehensive about the whole storyline. I don't like the fact that they killed her off. I understand. I understand them aligning her with her mutant origin that they're putting on screen. I do think that's nice. As much as I like Miss Marvel's stretchy powers, I wish they would just, if they're going to do it, just go all the way. Like, don't go half the way. Yeah. Give her the light powers as well. It's fine. It's a, I wouldn't like that either in a certain sense, but at least just yeah. do what you're doing here. But at the same time, like you said, Iman Vellati knows more comic trivia probably than I do. So I think let her do the comic. Very excited to read it. Very excited to check it out. And I hope they crush it. It's a good art team. Sarah Pacelli doing covers, which is awesome. Love Sarah Pacelli. Well, let me throw out this, though. I mean, we talked a little bit about the use of the word mutant in the Miss Marvel TV show. The fact that they're doubling down in the comic book universe Makes me think that Miss Marvel in the MCU is the first mutant for real, yeah. for real. And that's something that that's a 
that's a bigger news item, I think, mm-hmm. than um, we've talked about, at least. Like, that means, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later, that, like, we're maybe closer to the X-Men or mutants in the MCU than we've, uh, we think. Yeah, I think so. And like you, like you cleverly teased, I think we're going to see a bunch of them show up. But whatever it is, we're definitely going to be following this comic. That's great. Let's... Let's get to the big news of the week, which is SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, starting Thursday, I believe, or Thursday night, went on strike officially. They're joining the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, on strike, which had previously shut down most of Hollywood and, by extension, most of Marvel productions. But now with SAG on strike, that's it. There's yeah. no productions going on, at least in the United States. There's no, uh, or with U.S.-based actors, there is no casting going on. None of that stuff's happening. So just to run down the status of some of the things, the way they were left, the Marvels, of course, is done or pretty much done. I'm sure they're working on the VFX and things like that, but that movie is still coming out. Loki Season 2, pretty much done as far as we know. Echo, pretty much done, should be coming out. Uh, Ironheart, Agatha Coven of Chaos, and Captain America Brave New Worlds are all in post-production. But frankly, I would throw like a little bit of a question mark on them because it seems like, at least with Agatha Coven Chaos and Captain America Brave New World, traditionally you would have reshoots on both of these things. So TBD, would you say, in terms of when they're going to be released? I would bet, especially with Coven of Chaos being like more of a musical focus, I think. Mm-hmm. We don't know, I guess, the extent of that. But with music, I think you're going to want to fix some stuff and you're going to need the actors to do that. Brave New World depends on if they were anticipating the strike or not. If they were, they might have done all of their actor-based capture stuff that they needed, whether it was ADR or a reshoot or whatever. But I do think the way that Marvel has seemingly been making a lot of their productions where it's like we had initial shooting. Now we're going to go into a bunch of reshoots, which is it used to be reshoots were like, ah, we won't do that because that'll send us over budget. But I think Marvel leans into that a little bit more, um, especially as they've gone on. So it's tough. Uh, we don't know. I would guess that at least uh, Coven of Chaos is going to be delayed. Maybe, maybe not for the other two. Three things that are definitely not going to happen anytime soon because the production was halted halfway through. Deadpool 3, which we're going to be talking a lot more about towards the end of the podcast, was shooting over the pond, and that's shut down completely. Production is halted at this point. Daredevil and Wonder Man had already been halted by the Writers Guild strike, so those are definitely not continuing at this point. And the last one I'll mention is Fantastic Forecasting, which was ongoing, is just... Not happening at this point. Uh, wow. Do you think, are they ever going to make a Fantastic Four movie? Is this ever going to happen at this point? Because I don't know. I, I mean, I wonder what they think. Like, is this, are they excited about it? Are people excited about it? It's hard to tell. The way that, you know, back in uh, Coven, or back in WandaVision days where it was like, Mephisto, he's coming. Like, and Mr. Fantastic, they're definitely, that's the guy in the rocket ship, blah, blah, blah. All that hype we were talking about. Is that still real? Because I, I feel like they could sort of back out. And we were talking about this, that some of the casting announcements for the Superman movie feel a little bit like DC's Fantastic Four with mm-hmm. the, the characters they're using, Mr. Fantastic, Hawkgirl, Metamorpho, uh, Guy Gardner. Like, I don't know, are they, is DC stealing Marvel's Fantastic Four lunch a little bit here? I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, I think they could have both things, but I do think 
Fantastic Four is an example. And mind you, they haven't done anything official. So a lot of this is just rumor mongers being like, like we talked about a couple of podcasts ago, being like, here's your official Fantastic Forecast. And then two weeks later, they're like, oh, two of them backed out. You know, but yeah. Marvel hasn't said anything about this. Disney hasn't said anything. There hasn't been anything in the trades or anything like that. So this ongoing casting process is a lot more on just online scuttlebutt than anything that's actually happening in the real world. So that's certainly affecting the thought process of, frankly, myself and I think a lot of other fans yeah. that just isn't real. Like, it's not real stuff. My bigger question, though, is like they've been talking about in terms of slowing down a little bit on Disney stuff in general, but Marvel TV, Marvel movies, try to be more thoughtful about it. I really think they got to take this opportunity of the strike Mm. to like reassess the whole plan. I know you announced all of these movies, all of these TV shows, all of these other things. There are so many things that have happened in the intervening time, like let's say let's say grain of salt this fantastic forecasting process as it has publicly been done online through rumor mongers is 100 accurate think about do we need to do a fantastic board movie is that important to us other than in terms of putting out the ip in terms of the story we're telling a lot of stuff has happened with jonathan majors like we talked about yeah. on the podcast of the intervening time do we need to do Kang Dynasty? Do we need to do the multiverse saga? Is there a better story that we could be telling here? And maybe maybe it is the best story. Maybe Kang Dynasty, Secret Wars, all that stuff, that is the thing they should be doing. Maybe they should be doing a Fantastic Four movie. But I think really taking a pause and thinking about it, that's the way to think about this time, not as like, okay, this is our time to barrel ahead on previs, get everything banked in a computer while we don't have actors or writers. But instead... What do we need to do? What is the story that we're telling here? And I don't know. Well, I, I would say the two pads I see from a, a money perspective um, for the for the higher ups talking about Secret Wars is was probably going to get us Miles Morales, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, live action Miles Morales. Good, good idea for them. Uh, Spider-Verse, huge moneymaker, soaring in popularity, even as these other Marvel properties are not doing so hot. That's a Sony movie. That's a co-production with Marvel. Uh, so, like, I think if they can get a Miles in the MCU the same way they did with the Tom Holland Spider-Man, that's a win. And I bet that was going to come through Secret Wars. The other thing, though, if they want to chuck all this with all the the uh, Jonathan Major stuff and maybe Fantastic Four not being uh, the path they're on, not being sort of doing so well. They know they've got a big moneymaker introducing the X-Men into the MCU. Mm -hmm. That'll be a huge thing, no matter how they do it. And if they want to cut out five years of Secret Wars production and just get to the X-Men, that would make a lot of sense to me, too. Right now to me, and this is just a feeling, but this Marvel right now feels to me like DC did when they announced 56 movies and they were like, we're doing Justice League, we're doing Justice League Part 2, we're doing Green Lantern Corp. It feels like rather than the first 10 years, which were a little fly by the seat of your pants, and I think that was a good place for them to be, now they're putting cart before the horse, not to mix too many metaphors or anything like that. Eh. But they're like, we announced all these things. We're on this path. we got to do these things. And they've already had a bunch of stumbles. So think about your stumbles and think about how you can course correct. It's okay. People will be initial like, uh-oh, is Marvel losing it if they scrap the whole multiverse saga angle of things, but ultimately if the movies are better, it'll win people back. If the TV shows are better, same thing. So you're saying they, they put the cart before they're flying by the seat of their pants, dead horse. 
Absolutely. Is what you're saying. Nailed it. Nailed it with. Got you. I get it. Yeah. I can't think of anything else. Why don't we move on to a couple of other news items? This is tied in here, but the day of the strike, Bob Iger, who is the head of Disney, I can't believe he did this. He was at a, and this is not a joke, he was at a billionaire's retreat and did an interview. uh, Just a second on that, because like with the strike stuff happening and like Fran Drescher, who's like the president of SAG, giving this impassioned, like badass speech when she called the strike um, on Friday or Thursday night. And then um, we had um, this statement coming out from an anonymous exec that we want to force the writers to into poverty, to lose their mm-hmm. homes and everything. And then you got all these guys going at their billionaire retreat. There's photos of them like shooting guns, like Zaslav and like Jason Blum, who's like, oh, you know, bad. I was bad like, bad them. luck, dude. <laughs> he Ooh, deleted that. that. He posted on Instagram. He was like, me and David and Zaslav with guns. And he was like, oh, delete. Yeah, smart. A little too late, dog, because you yes. that you put yourself in the wrong bucket uh, on that one. But anyway, they're all it's just and they're all like flying off the handle, saying all this stuff. They're clearly mad about this strike. It's just so sorry. That's a lot of preamble for this uh-huh. quote. But like, again, just very rich people in charge of all of this stuff being very like childish in, at a time when they should be well better in control of their mouths. Yeah, saying no comment is an option, you know, and that's yeah, not big what time, Especially it's like, <laughs> hey, there's a lot happening right now. I don't have a statement at this time. Is true. That's it's a fine. true thing. Yeah. Instead, one of the big quotes that people hooked into with this Bob Iger interview was him talking about it being very upsetting, what the writers and actors doing, what they think about everybody else below the line. And everybody below the line was like, yo, you're yeah. not paying us anything. There's a lot of stories that I, we're getting too far afield before we get to this actual quote about Marvel. But I saw so many people who were below the line folks, PAs and people on crew who are like, you didn't give us lunch on our production. And the people yeah. that paid for my lunch were the writers. So we're <laughs> on their side, buddy. But anyway, the thing about Marvel, and I'm going to read this quote in full because there's a bunch of preamble before he actually gets to it. But he said, There have been some disappointments. We would have liked some of our more recent releases to perform better. It's reflective not as a problem from a personnel perspective, but I think in our zeal to basically grow our content significantly to serve mostly our streaming offerings, we ended up taxing our people way beyond in terms of their time and focus, way beyond where they had been. Marvel's a great example of that. They had not been in the TV business at any significant level. Not only did they increase their movie output, but they ended up making a number of television series. And frankly, it diluted focus and attention. That is, I think, more of the cause than anything. So a lot of people were railing on this quote online. One quote I saw in particular was Clark Gregg of Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. quote tweeting it and being like, bro, (laughs) in terms of like we didn't have any significant Marvel TV productions. What's your take on this, Justin? What's your initial takeaway from this quote? Well, first off, he wasn't he was in charge of Disney and then he left and another Bob took over and then he came back and he's coming back and like shitting on all this. And I think the, the quote behind the quote here for me is he's blaming he's saying the creatives were stretched too thin. They didn't step up kind of a kind of energy. And I feel like it's like, don't don't do that. You were trying to make some money at this company mm-hmm. on this whole thing, and it's not about people like just not doing their jobs. Well, and the other part in terms of the continuity of it is Bob Iger is the one who set up this world 
where they were going to lean into streaming as hard as possible. Then he left, and then Bob Chapek took over. Bob Chapek, bad CEO. I'll just say that up yeah. front. Like, I've been on multiple conference calls with him, and he is an awkward, terrible human being, as far as I can tell. <laughs> but uh, I, he dropped the ball that Bob Iger threw him. But Bob Iger is basically like, I made a bad decision. This guy did a bad thing with my bad decision. It's his fault. And it's not. You set it up. They didn't follow through. But also, you didn't follow through on it. I will say, to grain of salt, given the benefit of doubt here, I do think they got stretched a little thin in terms of Marvel TV and Marvel movies. I do think that's true. Um, but I don't think that's the only reason that faults here. I don't think streaming and putting streaming TV shows and streaming movies on there is the only reason that these things are failing. You know, he was, a lot of no. articles were drawing a comparison with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, like, Ooh, yeah. The reason Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania didn't do well is because there was a lot of streaming shows and it felt like you could watch it on streaming. No, the reason it didn't do well is it was a bad movie. Yeah. Guardians has done really well. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has done really well. There are other factors here, including changing behavior in terms of viewers over the pandemic that has nothing to do with like Marvel fracturing their focus from TV and movies. I don't know. It's (laughs) yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say, you could say that like stretched too thin. I feel like pressed too hard and like Mm -hmm. didn't give things time and and money is always what it comes back to to develop the good story that they wanted to because you we talk about this a lot on these especially the marvel tv shows where it's like there's there are good ideas here there are good bones here the underlying comic book story that they're based on is something we really love they just didn't do it right they Mm -hmm. they if everything feels a little rushed at every part where it's like oh if you thought this through a little bit maybe you could have made a better connection between this or it feels like you're like we've been talking about secret invasion feels like you're gesturing toward an interesting espionage thriller but instead it feels a little like uh childish and underbaked so like if you had done the top put in the time you would have the thing that you intended but instead you have a worse version of it it's also not like Marvel was doing this in the void. They didn't come to Disney and be like, by the way, we're going to release four movies and a bunch of TV shows. And Disney was like, okay, we have no control over that. There's a lot of discussions that go into these things. Uh, the last point that I wanted to bring up, though, is the whole thing about that Clark Gregg is pointing out about Marvel not being in the TV business at any significant level. Obviously, Marvel TV predating Marvel Studios released Ages of Shields, the Netflix shows, the Gifted Legion, a bunch of other shows like that. But uh, just to say something controversial, I don't think Iger is necessarily wrong. Like, I don't think, obviously, on the fans, they built super passionate fan bases, and I don't want to discount that at all. But they didn't make the cultural impact of necessarily a WandaVision, for example. Yeah. I mean, that's true. The Netflix shows, I think, maybe more so did. Mm-hmm. The other shows definitely didn't. But, like, I'd go to bat for Legion any day. That show totally. was weird and, like, cool and felt like a gem in a system that was sort of like, yeah, go ahead, make this. We don't know. We don't have an overarching plan here. And only later, under at uh, the new Disney Plus stuff, did they have a, a more intentional plan. And to contradict myself, I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was on for, what, seven seasons? And 
as far as we know, probably watched by more people than the Disney Plus shows just on a weekly basis, wow. just by, just on the basis of being an ABC. It was watched by millions of people. And as far as we know, there's most like a million people, maybe two million people. We're not sure because they're not clear about these stats. So I don't know. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> why don't we move on with uh, more frustrations? Haley Atwell revealed that she was pretty frustrated with her multiverse of madness appearance and compared it to her appearance in What If that she felt was much more significant. I believe this was on Josh Horowitz's uh, Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, um, which you can watch on YouTube. But her quote was, I'm like, that wasn't my choice. Uh, this is Atwell talking about when that Captain Carter got killed after like a minute, spoiler for Multiverse of Madness, uh, when she was like, I could do this all day. And then followed by, she's immediately cut in half by a Frisbee and the audience being like, she can't do that all day. Apparently you can't. So egg in your face, that doesn't really serve Peggy very well. Uh, I will tell you, I immediately flashed back to my screening of Multiverse of Madness, where there are, I think, three separate Captain Carter cosplayers. And I mm. knew going in that Captain Carter was going to die after about a minute because I had read some, talked to some folks who had already seen it. And I was like, oh, no, I feel so bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think about this one? Well, I mean, it, it, Captain Carter's a, a character that the whole What If show was pinned on and I think was popular, popular in the comics. Like to have her be just like, it's just a misjudgment of your fans, of the story to be like, it was all just meat for the grinder in multiverse of madness, like all those characters. And I think I felt a little bit the same way about watching professor X die, watching mm -hmm. all of these characters, Mr. Fantastic. The first time we see Mr. Fantastic, we just see him get wrecked. Like it's not taking care of your characters. And it's an interesting story to have, uh, to have it go that way, to have Wanda kill all of these multiversal people and sort of puts a little bit of a point on what they're trying to do with the multiverse. But it hurts it hurts people who like these characters, I think. And it damages their ability to tell stories where you haven't even introduced these characters. Mm -hmm. or, or in the case of Captain Carter, a character that was loved and you don't you're not honoring that. Right. And those characters are there, as we know very well, they kind of mixed and matched them. They were never in the same place at the same time. So it's much more about, oh, who can we get? Who can we throw in there versus why is Captain Carter there? Why are we using Captain Carter at this moment? And why are we revealing her at this moment? So, I mean, that points to a whole sloppiness on Multiverse of Madness behalf more than anything with Captain Carter specifically. But I don't know. I hope she gets to play it again. She's great. Yeah. And it's a great character. And I'd love to see more of it in live action. And it, I think there's you could say like what they really wanted there was Captain America. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't get... Um, they couldn't get him. So they end up ended up getting uh getting Captain Carter, which then it's like that's a double burn in a yeah. lot of ways. All right. Why don't we talk about Deadpool 3 as we start to wrap up here, even though there's a lot to talk about in the Deadpool yeah. 3 land. As we mentioned, production is shut down, so who knows when it's necessarily going to come out. But before it did, they rushed out a bunch of stuff, including the first look at Hugh Jackman in an actual Wolverine costume, the old yellow and blue on set. 
What are, what are, how are you feeling? Good. Looking good. This was a fun still to see. I mean, it's not a lot. It is one long lens photograph, but it's cool. Yeah. It is. It's seeing the toys out of the toy box. Yes, that's 100% what it is. And particularly after years of repeated jokes of Wolverine not wanting to wear the costume, getting to look at it and be like, that's stupid from all the X-Men movies. To finally get it, this is almost the opposite of what we were talking about with the Easter eggness of Multiverse of Madness. I was like, yay, yeah. I'm excited. Um, so that's but good. I think it is, it's the flip. It's the the flip of that where it's like fans want this, even though it doesn't fit with maybe what the story we're trying to tell in the past anyway. It's fun for us to see this. It's the mm-hmm. thing we've been looking at our whole lives, and to see it in live action is an easy win. Now, the other thing that I'll throw out there, though, and this is definitely going to get into spoilers, so if you don't want to know, turn away. But beyond the official set pick, there were a bunch of paparazzi picks that were released of Wolverine and Deadpool 3 fighting. I think there's a shot of him holding Deadpool's arm and then throwing it away. But the big thing, literally the big thing in the background is they built an enormous 20th Century Fox logo that's crashed on the beach, which to me is like very clear Planet of the Apes reference in terms of like, yeah. you bad man, you blew it up. But I think this also indicates what this movie is going to be, right? It almost, I mean, it's funny, we've been talking about Multiverse of Madness. It almost feels like it's the comedy Multiverse mm-hmm. of of madness from the X, just multiverse of X-Men madness, I guess Mm -hmm. is a way of saying it where it's like, they're going to go meta and they're going to go make fun of the Marvel Fox merger and all of the hype around X-Men. It's what Deadpool two did with a lot. They danced around the X-Men being part of the Marvel universe. And I feel like this is going to go whole hog on it and maybe put us in a significant step toward the X-Men being in the MCU. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think versus Multiverse of Madness, where they didn't really go for it, like they sort of half-heartedly went for it, I would expect that Deadpool 3, clearly based on these picks, is going to go for it. And we'll talk a little bit more about how far it's going to go in a second. Um, Speaking of which, just to kick that off, this was officially revealed. Jennifer Garner is going to be returning as Elektra from both the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie and her Electra spinoff movie, a.k.a. everybody's favorite superhero movie in Deadpool 3. This is another one where I'm just really wrestling with myself as a fan because I was like, great. Uh, that sounds great. I'm excited about that. Are you Are you also excited or are you mixed? Well, it points to a great comedy thrust here. If mm-hmm. they're going to if they're going to like resurrect all of the worst comic book <laughs> Marvel or Fox comic book characters and, and actor portrayals, that's funny. That's a mm-hmm. funny thing. It's something that, you know, we haven't, they haven't done that. There's everyone tries to forget those things. If Deadpool three is going to be like, no, we remember <laughs> and like bring them back and be like, this is our Electra, whoever else. Like if we're seeing Electra, aren't we going to see Ben Affleck's Daredevil, like probably maybe I don't know I don't know I don't even know with Ben Affleck anymore where he's like nope I'm not doing Batman again and then he's in like two more movies as Batman he's done Dunkin' Donuts commercials who knows what's going on with him but yeah I mean but I I, I like him I've only grown to like him more and more he's he feels like he's just this is a wild like misjudgment probably but he feels like a regular guy who's like. You want me to put on that costume again? Yeah, I'll do it. Whatever. I don't care. It's fine. I just want some coffee and whatever. <laughs> yeah, you got Duncan on set? 
I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. Uh, the Electra thing also, though, is I think I think there could be a sense beyond Easter egg of reclaiming these things that were bungled in the past because we were in a period in superhero movies where they just didn't know what they were doing. Like, they didn't know what fans wanted. They didn't know what movie audiences wanted. They were just giving them the wrong thing. Jennifer Garner is great, and she's only become a better actress over time, I think. So yeah. having her come back, she's worked with Ryan Reynolds before. She's worked with, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy who's directing and co-wrote the movie that's worked with Ryan Reynolds a bunch uh, as well in movies. So, like... Clearly, they know her. It's probably a little bit of a fun hangout for friends type thing going on, because that seems like the vibe that Ryan Reynolds gives off. He's like, yeah, I just had my friends come over. Like, it's a it's a superhero version of what Adam Sandler does, I think, but hopefully not quite as well. <laughs> That's a funny way to look at it. But what are I the other... What? What are the other, like, junky Marvel movies that you think they could touch on, if that's the way they go with this? I mean, just in terms of fat Fox stuff, you've got so many Fantastic Four movies. You've got all of the X-Men yeah. movies. Um, I don't know. I think there's even a possibility, like, if they're going to go absolutely wild, go beyond Marvel movies. Like, get uh, Shaquille O'Neal to show up as Steel or something like that, you know? <laughs> Why not? Funny. Let's go for it. Kazam? Is that yeah. what you're calling for? I mean, legitimately, and this is one of my frustrations with Multiverse of Madness, was... They had like three universes and it didn't feel that crazy. Like they had the Illuminati sequence, but that's it. I want to see full on Deadpool kills the Fox universe. Like I want to see like the classic Marvel comics where they just throw the whole kitchen sink in there. That's what I want to see out of this movie. But, and this is the important thing. And I think we can transition to the last part is I want to know what the emotional threat is. Like that's actually the most important thing to me is like, why are we doing this? Why is Deadpool doing this? And this ties into a rumor patrol that we'll end with here is did the entire plot of Deadpool three leak online? Now we're not going to say any of the specifics about it. I will say there was a 4chan thing that was like, here's the entire plot 4chan notoriously unreliable. Several scooper type people online didn't post it specifically, but they're like, uh, that's pretty accurate. And they Mm. have a relative level of accuracy. So who knows? Things change a lot in production. Maybe it's an early draft. I will say from reading this plot synopsis, it sounds like fan fiction to me. Uh, And and again, we're not going to talk about any of the specifics, but I think the thing that was missing that of course is going to be missing from this is like, why is Deadpool doing this? You know, what is the emotional hook here? Because the thing that worked really well about Deadpool was there was a good emotional hook. Deadpool yeah. 2, a little less so because it was based on fridging, but they brought in cable time travel because he was like, my girlfriend died and I got to save her. You know, that that's yeah. what's there. So why are we potentially going into some sort of multiversal stuff for Deadpool 3? That's what I want to know. And, you know, just this isn't spoilers, but it, like if it is about multiverse and the chaos of all of that and like – to me, it's like, where's my home? And mm-hmm. I think that resonates from the meta Deadpool place as well, where it's like, I thought I was just weird Fox movie that sort of was X-Men adjacent, but not really. And now he, because of its success, became the standard bearer for the X-Men and is now like maybe going to be the bridge between the X-Men and MCU and is a much more important character in the business. So the idea that like... 
referencing that, feeling that, because that's a life thing too, where you're like, what is my life? Where am I going? I feel so complicated. Why, why can't I get back to a more simple thing? Um, where's my home where I could just be comfortable? That feels like a good Deadpool mm-hmm. arc and emotional storyline, especially Wolverine, a character who's like super gruff, but at its core, sort of a, a sweetie pie. Is that mm-hmm. a fair statement? Yeah, a real I'd sweetie a, pie? I'd call him a <laughs> tall drink of water. Tall, sweet, real pookie. Yeah, yeah. He's a real cutie patootie. Mm-hmm. Um, shouts to the nineties. So, like, I think it's about Deadpool being overly earnest about his feelings and finally piercing Wolverine's tough exterior over the course mm-hmm. of it, maybe. Uh, and then a, a buddy comedy on top of that feels like a good Deadpool story. Yeah, there were a couple of plot points in this leak synopsis that made me wince that I'm not totally into, uh, but. Like you're saying, if they can keep it focused on that and give a reason for why is Wolverine here, what is his emotional arc, why are these other characters that I won't mention here, what are their emotional arc, why do we have them, versus, oh, it's Captain Carter popping in and popping out. You know, as much as I'm going to giggle like a bad bad when Electra comes in and they play Evanescence in the background, yeah. is, is it worth it? You know, is there a reason for Jennifer Carter or is she coming back and getting cut in half, you know, halfway through the movie and that's it? Well, and I think the difference here could be like so much of Multiverse of Madness was how serious it is that this is happening to be able to. But it's crazy. And it's like it's a little ridiculous, I guess, Mm -hmm. is a nice way of saying it, doing all of this to have Deadpool be like excited about seeing sort of quote unquote friends like, ooh, Electra, she she seems cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's not. Okay, <laughs> bye or whatever. <laughs> like that's a funny. It me- mirrors more what we go through as fans, where we're like excited about something, and then it's not what we expect. And to have to call out that ridiculous and enjoy the parts that we enjoy, I think is actually a really fun, truthful, more truthful to our experience way of doing it. I I will also throw out there, and maybe this will be the turning point, and I'll be horribly wrong, but I think. It's not fair to say Ryan Reynolds doesn't miss, but he knows what he's doing at this point. Like, he is sort of at peak powers right now in terms of delivering things that, even if you don't love them, they're still solidly delivered. Like, he's done a bunch of those Netflix movies that are like, sure, that exists, that's fine, but... Hugely successful on Netflix. Yes, exactly, but hugely successful, and he is consistent, and he comes out smelling great at the end of all of these things. So I think if anybody can pull this off, it's probably him. So that makes me lean on the side of the positive, even if I was wincing a little bit at some of the plot points in the thing. But we'll see. Again, it's on 4chan. It's scoopers. Things change. We don't know. We're not mentioning the details, so I know we're being vague about it. But just in case they end up being true, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. If you want to search it out, you certainly can, and I'm sure we'll freak out or be disappointed or whatever. And there you go. Once again, if you got any stories or scoops or anything you want to pass our way, comic scoops, book, scoops, comic book club live at gmail.com or any of the social stuff that we're about to mention. You can support this podcast and all the podcasts we do at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night to Facebook and YouTube. Come back out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel stuff, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comic book clublive.com for this podcast and many more until next time stay marvelous my favorite note from this episode clark greg was not pleased <laughs> <laughs>